Hello friends, thank you for joining us and making us a part of your Lenten experience. Over the course of the next few weeks, we will be examining Jesus Christ, the perfect lamb offered as a sacrifice for our redemption. We invite you to join us this season through our Lenten study journal and in our Wednesday and Sunday gatherings. You can find more information on our website at ccgf.org. Here is the message from this past Wednesday. Grace and peace to you. Okay, so I'm excited about this as well. Uh, tonight, sharing with us is going to be Gideon Mangus. And Gideon's going to make his way up here. You know, when I picture the church, in my mind's eye, I also picture us raising up the next generation and equipping them and empowering them and cheering them on. So what a delight for us to have one of our own, a, a guy who's been uh, part of this church and growing up here. <laughs> Serving under Pastor Robbie's leadership <laughs> in middle school. All right, Gideon, you're clapping for you. Don't screw this up. I'm man. trying not to. <laughs> get, take us away, Gideon. All right. Go. Well, it is good to be with you all here tonight as we uh, get to kick off this Lenten series. And the message tonight is really a continuation of Pastor Craig's sermon on Sunday. So if you haven't had a chance to watch it, if you missed Sunday and haven't had a chance to go back and listen to it, I encourage you to do it. Because not only was it a fantastic sermon, and I'm not saying that because he's my boss, but also <laughs> it, it really expands and dives deeper into what we're going to be looking at tonight. And that is Leviticus 4, 32 to 35, which says this. If someone brings a lamb as their sin offering, they are to bring a female without defect. They are to lay their hand on its head and slaughter it for a sin offering at the place where the burnt offering is slaughtered. Then the priest shall take some of the blood of the sin offering with his finger and put it on the horns of the altar of the burnt offering and pour out the rest of the blood at the base of the altar. They shall remove all the fat just as the fat is removed from the lamb of the fellowship offering. And the priest shall burn it on the altar on top of the food offerings presented to the Lord. In this way, the priest will make atonement for them for the sin they have committed and they will be forgiven. The word of the Lord. And uh, first off, I do want to apologize to Pastor Craig. I don't know what I did that caused him to give me this text, but it must have been horrible. Did not request it. Second of all, I want to say, isn't this a lovely verse to read after we're completely full? Just hearing about the blood and the fat and the guts. And, and I'm only joking. I do think there's a ton that we can get out of this. And, and before we dive in, I just want to pray and ask the Spirit to come and open our eyes. Father God, we thank you so much for the opportunity we have here tonight as your children to gather together to come and meet with you, to open up your word and glean from it and apply it to our lives. Lord, we ask that your spirit would open our eyes to see these things through your perspective, that your spirit would open our hearts to be receptive to the ways in which you are leading us. And Lord, we ask that you would bless our time together tonight, that you'd use my lips and speak through them, that your truth would be proclaimed, that we would grow to know you and love you more. We pray this all in the name of your precious son, Jesus Christ, amen. Well, uh, to, to fully comprehend this text, we need to understand both the context in which it was written and the community to which it was given. So obviously it comes from the book of Leviticus, and, and in Hebrew, the name of that book is actually Vaikra, which just means he called. And the reason it's called he called is because in the very end of Exodus, which happens right before this, the final paragraph describes this amazing scene where you have the Spirit of God in the glory cloud, descending on the tabernacle and living in the midst of the Israelites. 
And so the book of Exodus ends with this amazing, amazing occurrence where the Spirit of God, the presence of God, is living in the midst of a society. And then immediately following that, the very next verse of the Torah is Leviticus 1, where God then calls to Moses and he calls him out and he sets up the boundaries and conditions that are necessary in order for a sinful people to live in the presence of a holy God. So Leviticus is really all about this fact that God is mediating through Moses how this relationship is going to work, how they're going to deal with the sin and impurity of Israel in order for them to dwell in the midst of God. And so what we're looking at is this. Exodus ends with a society that is living in the presence of God and immediately God has to send, set up these boundaries and conditions in order for this relationship to work because God is supremely holy and man is incredibly sinful. And so these verses that are given to us are given as a regulatory principle. They set up this idea of how to deal with the problem of sin. And the principle is this. It's this system of sacrifice that atonement for sin comes through the blood of sacrifice. And as 21st century believers, it's really easy for us to read that and immediately jump ahead to the answer to immediately jump ahead to the fulfillment of what this system is foreshadowing. But I want to invite us instead to kind of step into this societal process that God is setting up for his people. You see, there are 1,600 years from the time of Moses who is setting up the system of sacrifice to the time of Jesus who fulfills it. And so for 1,600 years, we have the people of God partaking in this bloody, bloody system. Generation after generation, you have a countless number of lambs slain. You have this unimaginable amount of blood shed on the behalf of human sin. And honestly, to us, as somebody removed from this culture, it's kind of disgusting. Like, it kind of causes us to ask, okay, God, what in the world are you doing here? Because as we know, Hebrews 10 tells us that the blood of bulls and goats can't take away the sin of a person. And so we're left wondering, what is God's purpose in setting up the system? And the answer is this, that God is instilling this principle of the severity of sin in his people through a symbol and a shadow of one to come. This system of sacrifice is a symbol and a shadow of one to come. And so the Israelites, as they're in this process, they understand the reality that right now we have to, we have to as a people, to be who we are, which again is a people living in the presence of God. We have to sacrifice this lamb, but one day, a lamb will be provided on our behalf. Right now in faith, we have to make the sacrifice, but one day, one will come who will lay his life down and pick up the sin of the world and carry it away. One day, a lamb will come whose sacrifice is really enough to fulfill the conditions that Moses set up all the way back in Leviticus. And the reality of the situation is, this, this, is that this principle of sacrificial atonement is fulfilled completely in the person of Jesus Christ. That's what John talks about when he says in a John 1, look, he sees Jesus and he says, look, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. When he says that, he acknowledges the reality that Jesus Christ fulfills the conditions set up in Leviticus for people to live in the presence of God. And so when we go back to that language that Moses writes down, he says that the blood of the lamb offers forgiveness and atonement. 
And atonement, as Pastor Craig said on Sunday, refers to this idea of making amends, of making reparations. And in Hebrew, it actually has this aspect of reconciliation. And so what we see is that the blood of the true lamb not only offers forgiveness, the blood of the true lamb not only offers this judicial peace with God, it not only clears our debt, but it actually reconciles us to the Father. And the reconciliation to God is a gift that goes above and beyond simply being let off the hook for sin. It is not about being let off the hook for sin. It's about being reconciled to our Father. It's about restoration. The sacrifice of Jesus is about restoring the right relationship between God and man that was possessed in the garden and corrupted in the fall. You know, it's not a get-out-of-jail-free card or fire insurance from hell. That's not the gospel. The gospel of Jesus that Mark talks about is all about kingdom living. It says Jesus came preaching the gospel of God. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The sacrifice of Jesus is about the freedom to live in the presence of God as a son and a daughter, as a citizen of the kingdom, as an heir to an inheritance that First Peter tells us is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. The blood of the lamb offers a reconciliation with the Father. And that's why Jesus in John 10 says this, look, the thief came to kill and destroy. I came that you might have life and life abundantly. What's, what's he talking about there? He's not only talking about a future hope. Yes, we have that. But he's also talking about this present reality that as a believer, reconciled to God through the blood of the lamb, we can live in the presence of God through the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's an amazing reality for us that we can live in the presence of God through the gift of the Holy Spirit, that the sacrifice of Jesus fulfills the Levitical condition 1,600 years earlier? And the question that has struck me this week is this, are we living in the presence of God? Are our lives centered around God? And when I say this, I don't mean do I devote X number of hours a week to praying and the reading of the Bible. I mean, does the presence of God permeate? every aspect of my life. You know, you look back, the glory cloud, that physical manifestation of the presence of God, that didn't just show up on Sabbath days. That was there throughout the week. The people lived in the presence of God. They ate, they slept, they walked and worked in the presence of God. And that is a symbol and a shadow of what it means for us to live in light of the reconciliation that Jesus offers us. You know, so often for me, I can think that my devotions is the 20 minutes in the morning I spend doing my Bible study, when reality, devotions is how I live my life 24 hours a day. My devotions is, is the way I, I love my kids when I'm, I'm really tired and I come home from work and, and, and they're screaming. Trust me, I was a kid. I was one of six. I love to scream. I'm sure it drove my parents crazy. You can ask them. I'm sorry, but I'm probably going to get that on the back end. <laughs> Devotions is the way I love my spouse when they're on my last nerve and we've been bickering for weeks. Devotions is the way I'm looking for the opportunities God's put around me and the people he's placed around me. Devotions is the way I'm engaging the culture and the world through, through the love and truth of Christ. Devotions is the way I can take time to spend on someone else. You know, Jesus says, that whatever you do for the least of these, you do for me. And in that, he says, you gave me a drink of water when I was thirsty. That is one of the easiest things you can do. Part of our worship of Jesus is spending our attention and time freely on other people, investing in other people. 
And, my, and the question again is this, how am I living in light of the presence of God? We don't have a tabernacle, we don't have a glory cloud, but we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. The presence of God is with us always, and so often I feel like I can limit it and not let it permeate every aspect of me. Jesus came to give life and life abundantly. And that abundance of life is living in communion with him. And so the question is simply this, how are we living in the abundance of life that the death and resurrection of Jesus offers us? The sacrifice of Christ offers reconciliation with the Father. It offers the ability to live in the presence of God now. How are we doing with this? Let's pray. Well, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your word which convicts and your word which comforts at the same time. We ask that your spirit come and and let this take root in our heart, that we may learn to live this out throughout this week. We pray this in the name of your son. Amen.